0: Today's guest is Bob Claggett of I Like to Make Stuff. That's right. He has a YouTube channel where he makes things and tells us how to do it, which is really cool. I went down a deep, dark rabbit hole on his YouTube channel the other day and thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I can make all these things. These are amazing. We're going to make a climbing wall and bunk beds and all sorts of really cool stuff. So. Bob now does this full-time. He's a full-time content creator after leaving his day job in the software industry, so we talk a little bit about that that as well. So I hope you all enjoy the show with Bob Plaggett.
1: Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success.
0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Bob Claggett. Hi, Bob.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: Good. So, say your thing. Say the thing you say when you start every YouTube.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm Bob and I like to make stuff. Yeah, my company's <laughs> called I like to make stuff.
0: So Bob likes to make stuff. And um, so Bob and I go way back. We've known each other. We're old officially. You know that.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. We're officially mm, old. Yep.
0: Um, so he has a YouTube channel called I Like to Make Stuff. And he's got a new book out. And it is totally amazing and fascinating to watch these videos. So tell us a little bit about how you decided you like to make stuff and you like to make stuff and tell everyone about it. <laughs>
1: Right, so it, I was doing software for a long, long time, and um, started making some stuff on the, you know, to get away from the computer. Started making some stuff with my hands, and with young kids, I was like, I need to be able to justify, you know, the time. I'm already working <laughs> right. a full day, and then I want to go do this other thing, so I got to be able to justify the time. And so, creating a blog and explaining what I was doing seemed like a, a way to add some value somewhere, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of justified being able to take away that, that time that I was already uh, not giving to the kids. And so I started, you know, making a blog and then realized that I just hated writing down all this stuff and taking these photos. And I was like, man, video would make so much more sense because then I could just do it and just, you know, put the video up. And yeah. so it, it morphed from a blog, a pure, you know, text and photo blog to videos. And that's become the thing that I do now. It's crazy.
0: So I watched I watched your how to make an indoor rock wall video yesterday, and I was completely mesmerized. And all I could think the whole time was, this had to take a hundred hours. And that's so funny because you're like, I didn't want to write it down anymore because video seems so much faster. But man, how much production time goes into, say, the rock wall video? You guys have to go watch that video because it's awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) well thanks um well i mean it's it's tough to say like what the actual production hours are because we do a new video every week and so there's everything typically happens within the week um but we also have several things going at the same time so it's like we'll film building something and then like put some glue on it okay that's gonna go dry over there and while that's drying we go start on the next thing or the next you know whatever so it's kind of hard to, like, ever get a clear idea of how long these things actually take, <laughs> which isn't super helpful. <laughs> but um, every week, you know, we're, we're creating a new a new video and a new project. And, you know, we did that one in a few days, really. You know, planning for a couple of days and then execution for a couple of days. And then we pass off the files to an editor, and he does the editing. And,
0: oh, okay. So, That's yeah. nice. So what was the first thing you made?
1: Oh, man. For video, the first thing... Uh, I can't remember exactly. It was either a screen a screen printing press or a vacuum former, and I can't remember which one of those was first. But those were the first two videos that I did, and they're awful. Don't go look at them; they're, they're horrible. <laughs>
0: um, what else did I watch? I really went. I told before we started recording. I told Bob I went down the rabbit hole. I don't go down the YouTube rabbit hole, but I just was. I, My friend was over and I said, go get the light fixture out of the bathroom. We're going to make this light fixture (laughs) because you do this light fixture thing. And I was like, oh, I love that. That doesn't look hard. And so I start watching and I'm like, I I don't have any of these tools.
1: (laughs) You just got to pick them up. You can do it.
0: Oh, my gosh. But it's so cool how I think what's so great about your channel is you really do empower people very, very quickly. Like you got me wanting to make stuff and i'm not handy
1: well that's awesome to hear um i mean that's like one of the goals that's so i've got like a few things that i'm really trying to accomplish and they inform why i do all the other stuff that i do and that's one of them is i want people to really be empowered and realize that they can do more than they think you know people tend to have a pretty low opinion of themselves and
0: oh that's interesting yeah i
1: I really want to get people out of that and just Be willing to try stuff because people can do a lot more than they realize and they don't know that until they give it a shot. So that's awesome to hear.
0: (laughs) So how many projects do you set out? I mean, because a lot of what you do is showing the process during the video and your successes and your failures. So how many projects do you start out with? And then say, um, okay, this isn't gonna work, <laughs> or do, or do you plan it out the whole time? And and it's, I mean, talk a little bit about the process.
1: So I don't, I think maybe I've had one, or I've been doing this for a while now. You know, I'm like going on three years of doing this full time, and I think I've had maybe one project that was just a like, I'm gonna go burn it with fire and be done. <laughs> and you know, and everything else has been. I, I try to look at failure as. Uh, like, it's only failure if you give up. And so if you, if you, as long as you don't give up then you haven't failed, and that means that if something doesn't work, then you can pivot and you can change the end goal, make it into something else. And this is not a failure. It's just different than what you set out to do. And so typically when I hit a brick wall, instead of going like, oh, well, it's done, you know, I'm just going to give up on that one. I'll be like, okay, what else can I do with this? How can I change it to make it work instead? And that makes it look like I don't fail very much. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> You're like, this was supposed to be a table and now it's a door. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, here's a good example. So like a few weeks ago, my sister-in-law wanted a piece of furniture for her photo studio and she told us exactly what she wanted. And, um, I made the plans up and cut all the wood. We got like 90% of it assembled. And then I realized that at somewhere along the process. I made the entire thing like six inches too short. And this it was done. Like it yeah, yeah. It's not something you can really come back from. (laughs) And it was just short. And, you know, I could give up or I could just build it again. And so in that case, it just made a lot more sense to just like, okay, I'm gonna set this one that's wrong over here and I'm gonna start again. And it took maybe half the time to build it the second time. It was exactly what it needed to be. Um, you know, and it ended up being a great piece of furniture that I was really proud of. But there was a point there where I was like, okay, do I just give up and like call this scrap or do I fix it? Or, you know, it was worthwhile to fix it.
0: So So have you always had sort of a chill mentality in order to (laughs) approach life like that? Or has building and making stuff made you that way? Um, Because that is a very chill approach to life to say, Oh well, I built this whole piece of furniture. It's six inches too small. I'll just build another one. Like for me, I'm taking an axe to it, well, and I'm, you know, yeah,
1: that was a paraphrase. So we'll say okay. that. But but um, so working in in software, I did not have that opinion and that approach to stuff because you know in that case I was making stuff for other people, either for a customer or for another company. You know, making a website for them or something. And in that setting. You have people saying, here are the needs. Make something that fills these needs. And if you do it wrong or you do it incomplete or something like that, they come back and, you know, rightfully so, they say it needs to be right. And so you have to go back. There's a lot of back and forth. And that was one of the things, just my personality, that I, I hated about doing software was I was beholden to these people because they were paying me to make something for them. I was beholden to them to do exactly what they wanted. That's part of life, right? That's just the way that is that is, but now I get to make whatever I want to. And so I don't have that pressure of m- trying to make someone happy. Uh, I don't have to worry about that. I get to make the stuff that I'm interested in and use it as a vehicle to be able to teach people. And there's so much more freedom in that. And it just makes everything around it easier to handle, you know, like a failure like that. Oh, oh well, <laughs> I get to make it again. That's not so bad. Right. You know, it's,
0: it's, it's I like it can make be worse. stuff twice.
1: <laughs> well, not not often, but occasionally, yeah.
0: No, I know what you mean. I mean, when I was practicing law, it was, you know, I have deadlines now. I have writing deadlines. I have coaching deadlines. Sure. And they're so different than those imposed legal deadlines. I know exactly yeah. what you mean because it's your thing. It's your baby.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the deadlines yeah. that I have now, and I have a lot, I feel like I'm doing stuff constantly. But it's entirely self-imposed. And I can only be mad at myself if I make myself too busy, you know? So yeah. instead of being mad at it, I'm just like, this is, this is what I set up for myself. Like, I'm in an amazing position to do all the stuff that I've ever wanted to do. I cannot complain about being busy. You know what I mean? Like, I put myself right. here. Kind of. I mean, I, I didn't do all <laughs> this. But, like, I'm here on my, own, on my own choice. So I cannot complain about having stuff to do. That just well, that's a good
0: segue into your book, which is called Making Time. And I actually came across this. I forget. I I like every six months, I buy a ten foot high stack of books, and I just buy them all, and I forget what I was looking for. But it had Malcolm Gladwell in it, and so I bought like all his books. And then I see this book called Making Time, and I was like, Oh, that looks cool. And I click on it, and it says Bob Claggett. and I was like, What? <laughs> I know this guy, you know. <laughs> and I read it read the, um, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The summary. And I'm like, Oh, this is too crazy. Of course I bought it. Nice. And then <laughs> cause I'm not just going to say, I know that guy because I've written a book like <laughs> every time I away. have someone, just, cool. I have to buy it. Um, but anyway, so very cool. It's called making time and let's talk about it because that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you made time for, um, your passions and escaping, I call it escaping, you know, the day. Oh, I lost audio. Yeah. Hold on. Where'd I go? You're back. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Um, yeah. So escaping the day job in favor of the, what do you call it? The passion, the life job, the, I I don't know.
1: It's a hobby. It was a hobby. No, it's not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: so, you know, the book is really about, it's kind of in two sections the first half it's about being a full-time content creator um and what i learned from doing that and what kind of led up to it so um the first half is is about going from like a nine to five into doing this thing on my own and what it took to get there and like what caused me to want to do it and and you know, it's so it kind of all the before. And even to do, to explain that, I had to explain some of like who I am, where I came from, what I was like when I was a kid and you know, how I met my wife and like all of this type of stuff. So it's kind I of- I think
0: you are just like you are now as a kid.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah.
0: I watched the the rocket launch video and I was like, he looks like he's 12 years old. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like, so much fun, yeah. you know? I get to make rockets with my kids. Yeah, so the first yeah. half is, is about that stuff. And then the second half is kind of after I went full-time it's stuff that I've learned, you know, stuff I didn't expect and um, stuff that I have just figured out since then and observations on people and audiences and, you know, there's no, like, I I don't think there's, like, an aha m- moment in the book. It's not like one of those where you walk around and you're going, aha, I've got this thing, now I can go <laughs> create my, you know, whatever. Uh, it was just trying to pass on some observations because a lot of people ask me what it's like to make YouTube videos for a living. Because that sounds yeah. like that shouldn't be a job, right? So people ask a lot of questions about it, and it sounds, it is it is 100% fun, but it sounds like that's all there is to it, and so this was a way for me to, you know, put some of the other stuff around uh, creating the videos, give some context for people who are curious. So,
0: Do you get a lot of questions? Well, let's go back. Um you tell people you make youtube videos for a living and then their initial reaction is that is so unfair (laughs) right i mean there's this sense of you know i get that from people since i quit law like there's this sense that people want to tell me how unfair Hmm. it is what i'm doing but i'm like i work way harder now than i ever have you know and so how do you explain that to people
1: um well i i try not to like say YouTube videos because there's this like weird <laughs> stigma with, Oh, so right. like you play with your cat in two video <laughs> or something. Uh, so there's some of that, but actually uh, funny story. The first day that when I went full time, uh, it was on a Monday and we went out to lunch, my wife and I and our youngest. And it was like a celebration lunch, you know? So we go to this place and we're sitting at a table and there's this set of grandparents next to us and they had a little kid and we got to talking because we had a kid with us. And so the guy kind of leans over and he's like, so what do you do for work? And I was like, I make oh, videos no. for the internet. And he kind of looked at me sideways and he was like, wait a minute, what kind of videos? <laughs> <laughs> and I realized at that point that I was probably going to have to give a little more context when I said that. Because, yeah. right. Um, so anyway, when people ask now, I say that I make how-to videos. That tends to be the way that, you know, it's oh, like instructional good. content. But yeah, I mean, usually the, the response is like, really? Like you can make a living from that? That's, yeah. the, you know, what most people kind of respond with. And it's cool. I don't have too many people saying it's unfair, but but I totally agree they with you as well. That. They they might think that. They just don't say it. But yeah, I, I work harder now than I ever have, uh, for you sure. You should just
0: say, hi, I'm Bob. I like to make stuff. <laughs>
1: That's true.
0: They <laughs> say, who are you? And then they'll just walk away because they're like, and this guy. Like, oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that guy's weird. Yeah. <laughs> what was the scariest part? I, mean, I think you and I Facebook messaged, messaged, is that a word? Maybe two, let's see, you've been doing this three years full time, right? Almost three, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was about three years ago and you you were, we messaged and you were trying to take that leap. Mm-hmm. And at what point did you know? I mean, I know you set everything up because that's what we do. we do. We have the side hustle, you have the job and then you know that you can take care of your family. But what was the moment that really pushed you into going after your dream full time?
1: Um, So a good friend of mine, I mean, I was wrestling a lot with it, you know, and I I would kind of go back and forth on like whether it was realistic or not. And I tend to cycle on stuff and I'll like just spin, just think like, well, I can't do this until I do this, until I do this, until I do this. And And nothing happens. Right. So I had a friend of mine who's done this for me a couple of different times. He was really encouraging me to make the jump and said, like, can my he and his wife, he said, can we just come over and sit down with you and just talk about it at dinner? So we did that, and he pulls out a piece of paper, and he says, like, why can't you do this? And so I started naming off, like, well, you know, we don't. it, it doesn't make enough money to support a family of six, and it doesn't do this, and it doesn't do this, and I don't know how to do this, and I, he's writing down everything I'm saying. And I would finish talking, and he would go, okay, what else? And he would just keep doing that. And eventually he said, and what else? And I was like, well, I guess that's it. And so then he turns the paper around and he slides it over to me. He was like, okay, one by one, how do you get through these things? And so we started going through them at the table, the four of us, one you know line by line and said, well, okay, we have to have this much money. We're making this. We have to have insurance. Here's how we could do that. We have to have this. you know." And started coming up with solves for each one of these problems. And it was really about... Him forcing me to get everything out of my head and get it down in a list, in a checklist that I could go through. And when we got to the end of that conversation, not all those things were solved, but I was like, everything I need is on that table right there. Everything I have to yeah. figure out is, is in a box on a piece of paper, and that's attainable. And that was like the first time that I thought like, wow, okay, I don't know how to do this, but I, I can do it. And that was huge
0: right. for me. Yeah. The power of the list is incredible. Yeah. I mean it really is. I've made major life decisions on a pro and con list.
1: No, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean it's a and way it to see out. it's a way to see balance, right? You can you can do two halves of a paper and if the good is bigger than the bad then like okay, that's a pretty good indicator.
0: Yeah, and I bet for you when you had all the reasons to do it, it was really long.
1: Yeah. I mean honestly, the reasons to do it was like never even a consideration. Like I I love it. I I as soon as I started doing it, I wanted to do more of it. It got to where the day job was kind of just in the way, you know, it was like getting in in the way of all the good that I wanted to do. And it was just, it came down to worry about being able to provide and being able to sustain. That was just the big, the big question, you know.
0: So let's talk about your family. How many children? (laughs) You said family of six, right? That's four children. Yep. I think that math is correct, and yeah. they are close in age.
1: They are, uh, they're five to ten, so they're, they're pretty close, yeah.
0: So how is how is your wife in all of this? Obviously, she's very supportive, and I've she, heard great things about her because my mom knows her. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and so and but she's like a cool chick, right? So she does like roller derby and all. I hear all about everyone in Savannah through my parents. Yeah. Um, so yeah let's talk about your family a little bit and how the dynamic is with all that you do
1: she's amazing Um, and I mean it may sound kind of cliche but there's no way I could do this without her like it wouldn't have made sense to do you know if she wasn't 100% on board and she from the very beginning when it was just a hobby and it was just like a thing I needed to do to keep myself sane uh, she was totally fine with that she was we had really young kids close together and she never once said like I need you to be in here doing this with me instead of, like, you know, if I needed time, she was totally willing to let me have that time. And so that was always really awesome to to, to make it work as a hobby, but then when it started getting more serious like that, uh, and I needed to spend more, you know, weekend time working on it and trying to create a schedule for myself, and was trying to keep up with that, she, like, just never batted an eye and was always willing to take on you know, the work uh, that I was letting go in those moments. And And then when it came time to, you know, talk about going full time, it was just a really long conversation, several months of conversation about whether it was realistic or not. And she never once had the maybe this isn't a good idea face, you know, like I I know a lot of couples where I can imagine having that conversation and it would get shot down from the other side. Yeah. Right off the bat. And we never had that. She was always just like, well. We can try it. You know, we can. And I remember specifically she, one time she said, we can eat rice and beans more. Like, that's totally fine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're so amazing. You know, oh she was just gosh. willing. She's willing to change, um, you know, the types of stuff that we were involved in and in our financial commitments just so that I could give it a shot. And
0: yeah, but she's really like, but go make me a table. <laughs> <laughs> you well, can yeah. do this, but I need a new table.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> mean, that it. happens too, but that's, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Um, But yeah, like even when I was looking at going full time, she kind of went without telling me, she went uh, to some friends who had businesses and tried to look for two part time jobs. And she got, you know, they like said, yeah, you can have this job. And so she came back and said, look, I've already lined up these jobs. I can go do this work because she's a stay at home mom and she does tons of work in the house. She said, I can go do these jobs to bring in supplemental income while you get started with this thing. I was just like, oh, like that's amazing. But I don't want you to do that. You know? Um, but I think that right. speaks to who she is. She's just 100% supportive. She's awesome.
0: Yeah. So where are you guys living now? I mean, you don't have to give your address, but y'all <laughs> left Savannah, didn't you?
1: We did leave Savannah. <laughs> we met in Savannah years and years ago. And I was there for 20-some-odd years, 23 years or something. And now we're in Kentucky, back to where I grew up. Um, my grandfather passed a few years ago, and his house was kind of, you know, going to be leaving the family soon. And it's a house I've spent a lot of time in and love and— So we moved here and moved into the house and I get to work in his old workshop, which is super cool. And we've got room for the kids to run outside and be in the woods and be by a lake and all that stuff. So it's amazing.
0: That's awesome. So let's talk about your schedule. You mentioned something about your self-imposed schedule. How much of your routine is like in stone? Do you get up at the same time? And you know, this is what the question I always get is like, how do you maintain your schedule? And I think, well, I just get up and, I work out, and then I work, and then I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's
1: my schedule. <laughs> that sounds very familiar, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the the kids getting to school on time is kind of the thing that gets us up at 6, so that's always our, yeah. the beginning of our day. But, I mean, I try to keep it to a pretty regular schedule now. Um, you know, I get in, I, I'll get the kids out, and then I usually run, and then get into work about 8.30, uh, something like that. And I try to be done by 6 every day because I really want to, like stop the clock and then go up and be with the kids and not try to let those two things overlap each other too much. Um, You know, sometimes I have to work more. Sometimes I have to dad more. But, you know, I try to keep them in their places so that I can really be invested in both of them when I'm doing them. Um, But So I try to keep pretty normal hours. And now I have an employee as well. A friend of mine is working with me. And so, you know, he has hours that he's here. And so that makes it a little bit easier for me to have hours because they're you know they need to line up with him, um, but like the the schedule like the self-imposed schedule is really more about releasing content. Like I, I try to release a new video at least one video every week on Thursdays, and so from that I have to kind of reverse engineer you know to get a video out on this day it has to be edited by this day, which means it has to be shot by this day, and I work backwards, and so I'm pretty regimented on getting stuff done at a pace that can keep me ready for having the video up in two weeks or whatever the, you know, the whole production time is. So it's a lot of reverse engineering my own schedule to make sure that I can get everything done within those work hours that I try to keep.
0: Right. Where do you get your new ideas for the next (laughs) thing you're going to make? Besides Jenny? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of it now is... Now I want a
0: rock wall. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, that was totally me. That was like, uh, hey, kids, knew, you want a rock that. wall? And they're like, um, sure. I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's what we're going to do.
0: Now that um, had to be more work than you bargained for. Or did you know it was going to be that much work?
1: I've actually built one of those before. Two of them before. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Outdoors?
0: Is, yeah. Do you have one outdoors too?
1: We don't here. We did in Savannah at both oh, okay. of our houses there. So, yeah, it's uh, I'd been through that before. <laughs> so that was actually pretty easy to pull off because I already knew everything that went into it. But most of the ideas, um it used to be that most of the projects were based on a need. So I would go around the house and be like, you know, we need new end tables, so I'll make some end tables or whatever. Um but then eventually you can only build so many tables and so many sets of shelves and you know you gotta have some other stuff. So a lot of it these days is Oh just... oh
0: wait, wait, wait. I don't want to forget the secret bookcase.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh
0: my <laughs> gosh. Okay, you guys, you have to go look at. Wait, what is it called? The disappearing.
1: It's a uh, mm-hmm. secret door bookcase, I think, is what. it is.
0: Secret door bookcase. I got way down the rabbit hole on that one. So it's literally a bookcase, and you like move this this fake book, and it opens like a secret passageway. Yeah. I was because I have room for that. I Ooh, need that.
1: You should. Totally you should make come that. to my
0: house and make it. No, not okay. me. You. you make okay.
1: it. Okay. We can make that happen. For sure, yeah.
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I didn't want to forget that one. That is, see, I told you I went down the rabbit hole. Anyway, okay, <laughs> carry on. End tables, bookcases.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, eventually you can you can run out of, like, practical stuff to make. So then a lot of the ideas just come from, like, I'm a nerd from the 80s. So I make Star Wars stuff sometimes and Transformer <laughs> stuff. And then I make stuff for my kids. And, you know, uh, I always wanted a, an arcade machine. So I made my own arcade machine. Not because I needed it. Not you know, but uh it was just a, a thing I was interested in, so these days the project list is a combination of practical and just fun, and I try to to keep it all over the place as far as like process and material too, so it's not all just woodworking, it's not all just props, you know, I try to keep it mixed up, so people kind of never know what they're gonna get.
0: So it's true. you're like a box of chocolates, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You set that one up well. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I did. Sorry. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you? Um, 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 I don't know. Um, I had a question about, you said Star Wars. Oh, how does one make a, an arcade game? Wait, what is, what is that? Like, you made the big stand-up thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a full-size wow. arcade cabinet. Um, you'll have to check it out. It's, it's no, one of...
0: I can't, Bob. <laughs> i have work to do i'm not looking at your channel today
1: it's <laughs> only three videos long it's a series no. that you can get through but, in like yeah, an hour the
0: problem with youtube is it has little side videos and that's i'm like true. ooh, an ocean table like yep i really needed to spend time watching that one.
1: <laughs> yeah you might so, be
0: my most heavily researched guest and it was totally oh. um not planned
1: right just that's cool it was a
0: rabbit yeah um okay so let's talk a little bit about online social media and trolls. Oh. Do you have trolls? Absolutely. What do you, what mm-hmm. I like asking people who are in social media about their theory on haters and trolls and cuz I've got my fair share too and I had a really interesting guest who said there are three different t- types of critics and I forget what they all were. But one was like the helpful critics who they may not be the most articulate and kind people, but they're really helpful. They're like, you know, you need to spell check your blog post. (laughs) Well, that's kind of a jerky thing to say, but you're right. I have more errors than I can even imagine. But then there's the ones who just like make it their job to make sure you're miserable. You know what I mean? What What do you think about all this? And how do you handle it?
1: Well, so I used to actually have a really hard time with this um, because, you know, my mentality was like, I'm trying to do something that I think has value for for people and I'm giving it away for free, right? These people aren't paying to to watch this stuff. And so when I would get these really negative kind of like personal attack type things, it really like dug deep and I had a hard time with it. Um, And eventually I think it, you know, I've just matured in dealing with that stuff and I found that the best thing that I could possibly do was to immediately delete it as soon as I see it, delete it, block that person and keep them out of the community. Because one of my bigger goals is creating a place where people are comfortable and they feel safe and they feel like they can ask questions without being like talked down to and stuff like that. And so if somebody comes to a comment section on a video and they see hate and they see aggression, they're going to stay out. They're not going to come in. They're not going to engage. And so one of the best things I found that I could do for myself and for the community was to immediately remove that those people. There we have a zero tolerance, no strikes, like you don't belong here. And mm-hmm. that's not to keep people out. That's to bring people in, you know. And and so by doing that, I got into the habit of like as soon as I see something that makes me feel gross, it's gone. Yeah. And then I, I got to continue to move on. And, you know, <laughs> stuff still gets to me. And, then, you know, somebody's mean to you, it's they're still mean to you, right? But – yeah. Um, I try not to let it stick long enough to really dig in. And that seems to help quite a bit. I've also learned a whole lot about, or at least I think I've learned about expectations. And I think that has a lot to do with trolls or with people that um, that are vocal about not getting what they want. So like I have a lot of comments that in the same video, imagine I did a video about 3D printing. I'll have people that say, do more 3D printing. And then I'll have other people who say, do go back to woodworking in the same video. (laughs) Right. And then, you know, we'll have four or five of those different things. And it, it dawned on me at one point that these people came into my content through one of those things. And so that, they use that as the expectation builder. So now I expect Bob to always do woodworking or to always do whatever. And so then when I break that expectation, they want to voice it now that totally makes sense logically but then when you like since my videos jump around from thing to thing everybody came in with different expectations and so I'm breaking somebody's expectations all the time and once I realized that like I can't control what they expect I can't control what they want and I'm not bound to give them what they want then that like took a lot of the pressure off and so I don't it doesn't hurt my feelings if somebody's like man I really wish you would do woodworking again because that's (laughs) making them happy is not my goal you know Um, right and i think a lot of that also had to do with me being really clear with myself about what my goals were so if i know this is a thing that i'm trying to accomplish um to try to make that person happy would make me not go towards my goal then making that person happy is not it's not something i need to worry about you know it gets me off track
0: yeah that's that's really really good no that's that's (laughs) no I, i don't know if it was either but that's really great that's such a great perspective. A couple of things that that I heard was when you said, when someone comes into your community, you know, and they say something that makes you feel gross, um, you remove them. And that is such great advice because somewhere along the way, someone told me you have to always keep all your comments open. you have to if you delete them, you know you're censoring everything. And I kept I did that for a while. And what I found was the hateful people, you know, then they were in the spotlight. and then the people that were really loyal, and awesome felt like they had to defend me and then it was this whole battleground and you're right like it then becomes this weird battle scene and you're like you know you're like i'm just trying to make stuff and i'm like i'm just over here in spandex you know (laughs) just what are you guys doing you know and it was weird so i I took that position probably two years ago and i do the same thing i mean if it's nasty it goes and if you're in my group and you're you're gone um But that's a really interesting point about everyone else's expectations. And if we're trying to always make everyone happy, we're veering off course from our original goals and and our purpose. And yeah, I wish, where were you like two years ago? I needed that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's taken me a few years to figure that out. So sorry about that. There's a guy that does YouTube, a really huge channel. His, His name's Hank Green. And one of the times he was talking about, comments and about the nastiness that can get into a community. And he said, I love this. He said that his comment section is his living room. And if somebody came into your living room and treated you in a negative way, they would not come back to your living room. But if somebody comes in and and like, I'm in your home and I'm going to treat you with respect and be honest and all those things, then yeah, come back to my living room. Let's hang out. And I, once I heard that, I was like, that's a great perspective to have on your channels, you know, your, any of your social channels are rooms in your house and you control what people do in your own home. And if they're not cool, they don't come over anymore. And that's like a very simple way to look at it.
0: Yeah. That's really awesome. So your book is called making time. One of the things that drives me crazy. And that's why the name of this podcast is called the same 24 hours is that excuse that we don't have time. I don't have time to do this? How do you have time to do that? So what, how do you make time? What is time to you?
1: Uh, It is like the most valuable thing I have for sure. Um, I don't know when it comes down to like not having time to do something that you want. I think that's all about priority. You know, it's, it's so easy to say like, I would love, and I do this constantly. I would love to know how to do whatever, but I just don't have enough time. And the fact of the matter is it's not a high enough priority for me to use some of the time that I have to focus on that thing. Um, You know, like I used to run marathons, and that was a – at the time, that was a priority. You know how much time that takes.
0: Yeah, that's why I don't do them anymore. Exactly,
1: exactly. (laughs) At the time, that was a big enough priority. It was a goal of mine to do, and I could justify the ridiculous number of hours that I had to spend running.
0: And wow. I remember how fast you ran that one and you were not happy with it. And I remember like, <laughs> what is wrong with this kid? Like you ran like a, did you do a three something? I mean, uh, it was, yeah. it was stupid. I think, 3:30. Yeah. And I remember you were not happy. There was like a long diatribe that Bob's not happy with a three something <laughs> marathon. I was like, what is wrong with this character?
1: <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, know, but I spent I a guess. lot of time on it, you know? Um, yeah. But now, now that is not a high enough priority for me to put any time into. Like I, I, I just, I don't want to focus my time there. Um, Yeah. So, you know, it's, I think it's just about prioritizing the things that are really important. And we use the time excuse a lot of times when the reality is we don't really want it enough to make time for it. You know, and that, that's a, that gets tricky when you have a job and you have a family and you want to try to figure out, like, they both deserve your time. They both need your time. And you don't want to, you don't want to prioritize your family over your job to the point to where you can't do your job to support the family and you don't want to do the opposite, you know? Um, But I, like I was saying earlier, I think sometimes my kids don't really care if I'm around or not. And sometimes (laughs) they really need me around, you know? And so uh, that's a, that's a place where you have to reprioritize on a regular basis. Like, you know, right now, I don't have to worry about being dad so much because they don't, they don't need anything. They're, they're fine, uh, but the business really needs me. You know, something's off track or something really needs extra work or whatever. And the next day or the next week, it can flip. And the family needs me more than I need to be doing anything with the business, you know. It's just, I think it's prioritization.
0: So your oldest is 10? Yeah. So my oldest is 10 too. What are we going to do with this teenage year thing? Uh, what... I, don't, I, don't, I think I'm going to quit. I'm going to start making things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get we're, a shop with a saw because that's do what i feel like i need oh man yeah.
1: i'm worried about it honestly we're we're just getting into um to where that stuff is starting to creep in we're getting the the girl attitude and the boy rebellion and vice versa they both have attitudes and they're both being rebellious but yeah we're getting into that and i have no idea what to do with it
0: I'm i not don't sure. either i mean my daughter she's the nine-year-old and there are times when she says stuff and I'm like, I can't imagine this at 16. Mm-hmm. Like, she's going to have fire coming out of her face, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. You know, Some she stands there and says something to me and I'm thinking, oh, I'm just not going to make it. I, yeah. I thought babies were hard, but people are hard. People are. I'm going to treat them like my trolls. Me like, get out of my living room. Oh, wait, you can't. You live here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to do it. I wish well, she did. but
0: Jenny, you'll know. She's good, at it, right? She's good at all things. That's true. Yeah. Get her to write a book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring it up. All right. So, um, yes, yeah, see, see if she's willing because I need a guidebook. Um, okay. So, one more question for you. Well, first of all, everyone can find you on YouTube. Literally, they can look on the Google at I Like to Make Stuff, right? Yep. They can find you. And yep. there you are, Bob. He likes to make mean. stuff okay so one last question for the podcast um this podcast is called the same 24 hours which means that we all have the same 24 hours in our day and it's what we do with those 24 hours making time that leads us to be the best version of ourselves gives us our greatest health happiness and success so what is something that you do bob on a daily basis that really makes a difference in your 24 hours that makes your life happier
1: hmm that's a don't say meditate you should have led with that one that's tough no
0: (laughs) end on it don't say meditate
1: okay do you meditate meditate.
0: no do you meditate no No, you're like only one of 100 who don't that's the thing now
1: yeah yeah i don't have time for that (laughs) 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 um (laughs) <laughs> I, honestly, I think the biggest thing that has, is helpful, and it's it's really been since I went full time with this that I've tried to enforce this. And it was like I was saying earlier, I try to keep the work in the work time and the family in the family time. And obviously there's bleed over and stuff. But it, it seems like it's been really helpful to every part of my life to be fully present where I am. And I, I'm not good at it. I don't always do it. But if I can focus on, when I'm at work, just working and getting my head down and doing as much as I possibly can and focusing, then and I feel like I've got a lot accomplished at the end of the day, then I can walk out of it. I can go up and shut the door, and it's done for today, and now I can be fully present, fully heads down with my kids, with my wife, and spend my focus on that when i'm when it's available right when i have time to be with them and when they're not at school and when they're you know when they're awake and all that and we try to focus that and i think uh as hard as it is for those things not to bleed over into each other i think it's been really beneficial for me to to just try to focus on them as much as i can when i'm in them that seems to help
0: very cool well, thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm not looking at your YouTube today, no matter what you say, but I might look next week.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'll be there. You can look anytime you want.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And so you put out a new video on Thursdays and people can subscribe. Do you have a newsletter, like an email, a newsletter? Do they even call them newsletters anymore? Yeah, Jeez. I think they do. I do. Email I newsletters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because we're old, remember? That's right. What did the young kids call them? Do they have a Snap newsletter? Is it on Probably.
1: Snap? <laughs> Probably. But yeah, I do have a, an email uh list that goes out every time i put up new content it always goes out Um, okay
0: good yeah that was what i was trying to get to
1: (laughs) yeah awesome
0: all right well thank you bob
1: thanks for having me